0: Welcome to Donna Cloney Parish Podcast. If you want to know more information about the parish, how to support us, or for other social media, please go to www.donnacloneyparish.co.uk. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning, open our eyes that we may see wonderful things in your law, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning we come to look at the 10th of the Ten Commandments. No coveting, do not covet. But before we look at the 10th commandment, can I remind you of those words from Jesus that we started our service? Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Jesus said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Or as I said in the ESV, it says... And Jesus said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And how different that is from our world, how counter-cultural that truth is. Let's get back to Exodus chapter 20. Uh, Let's flick back there. Exodus 20 and verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Whereas manservant or maidservant is ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbour. Perhaps today in our semi-urban setting, uh, we might substitute uh, different things in those places. So, for example, uh, a new car for an ox or a donkey. Or we might have a new house for a... Oh, Yeah. You shall not cover your neighbor's house. They're not so different after all. And you might have heard the saying, the grass is always greener on the other side. Well, my dad, uh, he used to say, well, do you know why the grass is always greener? It's because you're always watering it. You're always spending time thinking about it. You're always wondering what that might be like. You're always wishing for it and spending energy there rather than where you are. And we can think about that and we can dream about the stuff we want. We can think about other people's lot and think it's better than ours. And we think, well, you know what, that's true, isn't it? The very thing that, that I'm using to record this service an iPhone, it's a great piece of kit, but what breaks my heart is every couple of months they bring in a new one new one there you've got an iphone 12 an iphone 12 mini an iphone 12 pro and as those adverts go out and as the the christmas season comes in and apple starts throwing out more adverts your heart goes out doesn't it you think if only i had that phone or or that piece of technology or or that thing i would be satisfied and it's so true in our human nature isn't it that we Always keep looking at something or even someone else thinking, if only I had that or them, I would be satisfied. Everything would be different. There's always something around the corner that will supposedly make me or you happier. Someone has said, God has made us a little lower than the angels. But most of us are concerned to climb a little higher than the Joneses get a little higher up than our neighbours. And we live in a society, Waringstown, Donaclony, Northern Ireland, the United Kingdom, Europe. We live in a society that is gripped by covetousness. It's perhaps the commandment we most need to hear. When this commandment was given to the people of Israel, of course they lived a lot simpler life than us. Again, verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. That's really all they had. But still this commandment was given because God knew their hearts. How much more is it needed in our society when people think that greed is good and money is God? And if someone else has got what we want, we'll do anything to get it. No, covetousness is a fundamentally important commandment for us to listen to today. Yet it's perhaps the least known and obeyed. Because covetousness, unlike murder or even adultery or stealing, it's it's internal rather than external. It's a desire, a drive, a lust. In fact, it, it, it itself it, it includes every kind of dishonest desire and, and is a sense of and a form of idolatry all by itself. It's the only commandment that does not involve an action, but refers to our hearts and to our attitudes. Because in this commandment, in the last of these, God gets right to the heart of the problem and says, it's your hearts and your attitudes where the real problem lies. We often think of morality and what we do. Uh, We go around being moral and we're trying to be nice and we tick the boxes. But the real problem is with our hearts. And this commandment reveals why God's view of the world and our view are so fundamentally different. How far we are away from a God who is holy, 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 as Isaiah reminds us. We tend to look at the outside, but God looks at our hearts. See, some of the worst sin cannot always be seen by us. But God knows all the desires of our hearts, the secrets of our hearts, as our liturgy tells us. So you can pass laws to forbid what's stated in all the other commandments, but you can't frame a law to cover the tenth. So how do you enforce it? And anyway... Even if you try to enforce it, our society doesn't think there's much wrong with covetousness. Sometimes those who are very covetous in our society are held up as being successful examples for us to follow. Those who have the most stuff, they're the people to, to follow their example. Isn't, isn't that what we're told? And they're idolized. They feature in the front of celebrity magazines. And often do you hear someone say to, The sin I really struggle with is covetousness. A well-known Jesuit priest said that in all the confessions of his 89 years, he had never heard one where someone had come and said, forgive me, I have sinned. I have broken the 10th commandment. And yet it's the one that leads to all the others. That's why it's a word we need to hear. Why I want to look at this commandment by asking three questions. The first one is this well, what is coveting? The word covet of itself is a neutral word, it, it means to desire eagerly or eagerly desire. And we sometimes talk about a prize or a trophy that is much coveted. Per Northern Ireland, they are being regu- uh, relegated, uh, not being able to go to Europe. we will not see any European cups. Uh, in the next wee while. But what is forbidden here in verse 17 is is, not right desire, but rather desiring eagerly what does not rightfully belong to us. Someone else's wife, or husband, their possessions, their car, their house, their job. It's wanting something and settling our hearts and acquiring what belongs to someone else so that our whole being gets caught up in trying to get it. Read it again, you should not come at your neighbor's house, you should not come at your neighbor's wife, or his manservant, or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Christmas is only down the way. And have you ever noticed how when the children are open the Christmas present, it all is going really, really well. The children open, the first child opens the present, and they're really, really happy, and then the next child opens the present, and then the first child looks to the second present, and says, hold on a second here, that present's better than mine. And then it all kicks off and it becomes a whole tear fest. And we laugh and we say, well, that's just children. But we are just the same. Yes, we might be more subtle about it and take more time about it, but we can begin to desire and desire deeply what other people have. And that's where we go wrong see it's not wrong to have the desire to be married but it is totally wrong to desire someone who is already married yet in our society today that's not seen as totally wrong or sinful anymore in fact there can be sympathy for the person who's chasing after someone else's spouse today life is all about what you can get and getting what you want it's about Individuals' rights being more important than actually what is right. But here's the second question. Why is coveting so dangerous? Well, this Tenth Commandment in the Decalogue, in these Ten Commandments, ends, but is in fact the point at which the Ten Commandments start. See, when by, we, by our own evil desire we're dragged away and enticed, James 1 verse 14, covetousness makes us desire things which are God, which will lead to idolatry, which will lead to me living as if God's name is not to be honoured. Do you remember how mankind fell in Genesis 3? the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. You see where it starts? I wish I had that. I know God said we shouldn't, but let's have it anyway. I'll take a bit and then you go for it, Adam. Think of the man that was said that he was God's own anointed, that, that he was God's king, that he had a heart after the Lord, King David. He covered another man's wife, Bathsheba, Uriah's wife. He committed adultery, he lied, he murdered. But the sin began with the tenth. The sin of lust, of lying and murder began with the tenth commandment. Then King Ahab, ably assisted by his evil wife Jezebel, sent comprehensively against the sixth, eighth, and ninth commandment when he saw Naboth's vineyard, wanted the vineyard, and then murdered Naboth to get the vineyard. But the root of a sin lay in the tenth commandment. And why is this commandment so dangerous? Because coveting cheats us. It lies to us that satisfaction is just around the corner. The Bible talks about the deceitfulness of wealth in Mark 4. It deceives us into thinking that if we get the things that we want, that we'll be fine and well and happy. It never works out like that. It's like, somebody said, it's like sitting your thirst with seawater. The more you drink, the more you want King Solomon, who was probably wealthier than anyone else at the time, wrote in Ecclesiastes 5, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income, and the abundance of a rich man permits him new sleep. Secondly, it corrupts us. It, so it, so it, it cheats us, and then it corrupts us. Coveting leads to envy, stealing, adultery, and murder. And the breaking of all those commandments begins here with this twisted desire it chokes us. It prevents us from both growing as Christians and serving Christ in the way we should. Remember the seed sown among the thorns in the parable of the sower? Mark 4 verses 18 and 19, Jesus said, Others like seeds sown among the thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things, come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Covetousness chokes us and stops us growing. And fourthly, covetousness then captures us and enslaves us. Remember where Exodus 20 started? Exodus 20 starts with saying, God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Covetous takes us straight back into slavery. Someone asked a millionaire, which million did you most enjoy making? His answer was, the next one. See, covetous takes us over and it becomes itself an idol. Paul in Colossians 3 says, put to death therefore what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, or more accurately, covetousness, which is idolatry. See, what we become obsessed with then takes over the place of God. It pushes him off the throne of our lives and we put it there as an idol. The sin of covetousness has even pushed some into committing adultery which has crippled their Christian lives and service. How many times have we heard of ministers who have destroyed their ministry over things like this? Covetousness cheats us, it corrupts us, it chokes us and it captures us, it enslaves us again. So coveting and the desire for things, especially things that belong to your neighbor, as the par to destroy. Covetousness is more than just envy of what belongs to another; it's about unbridled acquisition. The notion that more is better, that life can somehow be made better by things, it turns us into consumers who will shop till we drop. We end up being defined by what we have rather than whose we are. <laughs> That's why no coveting comes at the close of the commandments because the question is what will we be defined by? What we have or whose we are? Materialism, stuff. Or a relationship with Almighty God through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Will we abandon this relationship with God, the most precious thing that we could ever have, in order to enhance what we have and lose every single bit of it, and worse, when we die? So we've looked at what is coveting. We've looked at why it is so dangerous and now we're going to say we're going to ask the question well how do we fight it? Well some people think that God is a god who likes to say no that he's all about being restrictive and negative. He's a party pipper but actually behind every negative commandment are two positive principles. When God says no to us, it's for our protection. And actually, our provision. Do you notice in the start of the commandments that I, that I reminded us how God had saved his people from, from slavery? These commands are, are to show us what we get enslaved to. And so, first of all, we need to come back and we need to go to the one who can rescue us God. We need to turn in repentance. And ask for God to change us through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first thing we need to do. And in this this commandment, not the covenant, God shows us how we can live with him. God Ask us to adopt a a different attitude to fight the sin. Actually, there are three different attitudes that God can help us with here. The first one is contentment. Contentment. Paul, again, Philippians 4, Paul writes, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want. I wonder how many of us can can repeat those words with pure sincerity. I know when I read those, they convict me. I get caught up with the world. TK Chesterton said, there are two ways to get enough. One is to accumulate more, and the other way is to want less. I think it's a brilliant thing. When people ask you what you want for Christmas, you can just say, oh, I'm happy with what I got. Charles Spurgeon said, I like to go window shopping to see all the things I don't need to buy. I see it in my emails. I see it on Facebook. I see it on Amazon. I see it all over the place. Black Friday is a coming. I don't know what Black Friday is anyway. I think it's the, 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 the Friday around Thanksgiving in America somehow found its way over to Northern Ireland. But if you know you're tempted in this area of gathering stuff, why don't you take a chance not to go online for sales? Why don't you avoid eBay and Amazon? Why don't you do a radical thing like Hiding away your credit card. And if you're more concerned with things rather than Christ, repent. Repent. Perhaps this commandment, as we've been talking about it, has convicted you as it convicts me. And we both need to turn to the Savior and say, forgive me. Ask him to come into your life, to... to to satisfy you as only he can, so you can know the secret of being content with what is given you, whatever the circumstances. So contentment, the second thing is being thankful, gratitude. We're to be a grateful people. Colossians 2 says, so then just as you received Christ as Lord, continue to live in and rooted and built that up and strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. We're going to be grateful for what we have and we are blessed. If you've got a, a roof over your head, if you've got a computer uh, in, in, your, in your house, if you've got food in your house and water in your tap, you are rich beyond the world's dreams. But the thing that we're going to be most thankful for is what Christ has done for us. We're thankful for him. we be thankful for The relationship he opens up for us through his death and resurrection and ascension. We as Christians are to be content and to be thankful for Christ and for what God has given us. And then thirdly, we're to be generous. The truth is, you can't be enslaved to something if you give it away. When you or I begin to call it, be generous. 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 Give it to the Lord's work. And remember these words from a tombstone What we give, we have. What we spent we had. What we kept we lost. Another nugget of wisdom from a dad. He said there are no two bars in the hearse. And that is so true. And on the thirteenth of December, it was supposed to be next week now, we changed it to the thirteenth of December. We have an opportunity to be generous with our gift day. And I want you to do something for me. I want you after this sermon to pray about what you're going to give. And I want you to give it with a thankful heart. Not thinking that you're doing God a big favor by offering Him some money. But actually, you're following the example of Almighty God Himself. Who, remember, gave His Son his beloved son for us. Remember what Jesus said, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We give to our church, to Christian mission. We give because God has given to us. And in fact, the money that is in your wallet and your bank account and mine isn't my money at all, it is his, it's God's. He gave it to me, He gave it to you. So, in our battle against covetousness, ask God to help you find contentment in Him. Be thankful for all that God has given to you. As George often reminds us, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And give back. Give back to God. Give what is already His. This is how we fight covetousness. This is how we deal with the sin that so often can entrap us. We can't take our own strength repent and trust the Lord Jesus Christ and ask for his spirit to change us. Change us so that we will be content. That we will be a thankful people. That we will be a generous people. I encourage you to give on the 13th of December between 2 and 4. Envelopes will be going out soon. and You can drop them around to Holy Trinity or to St. Patrick Church on that day. Pray, pray about it, seek the Lord, but don't fall foul of this sin of covetousness and stay away from the seals on Black Friday. Well, let's pray together and thank you for listening as we've been looking through the Ten Commandments It hasn't been the easiest of lessons. I know that. It's been hard because it's hit me first. And and as I hear this commandment, it, it, it breaks me because I know how often my heart runs after the things of this world and not of Christ. But let's chase after the pearl of great price. Let's chase after Christ. Let's be content in Jesus. And then out of that, Let's be and Let's be a giving people. Put our treasure where lost or wrath cannot corrupt it, cannot destroy it. Let's place our treasure for the Lord's work. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have been challenging us and speaking to us today for our good and for your glory, to provide and protect us against going ways that will enslave and spiritually choke us. And as we've seen this morning, the way of covetousness and greed is a one-way road to choke in our relationship with you and to open ourselves up to a whole myriad of sin. Lord, we pray, search out our hearts and help us to repent of this particular sin this morning. Lord, may your word and your spirit bring us to the place where we are content in Christ whatever our circumstances, Because, Lord, in Christ, we have the pearl of great price. And, Father, help us to have a thankful spirit. And, Lord, we pray, open up our hearts to generosity, generous to your work, generous so that we may lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for this timely word. And so keep on speaking to us through this word that we may truly learn to find all that we need in you. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. We pray that this service has been an encouragement to you, a challenge and a help to build you up in your faith in Christ. We've now ended our church service and we'd be delighted if you can join with us again. Thank you for being with us in Donoclonie Parish. God bless you.